All right. Good evening. I succeeded in getting a faction of the backseaters to sit forward, so that was good. Who moved for me? Well, maybe it was just Frank. Oh, Frank and Paul, they helped me out. So very good, very good. All right. Galatians, please. Chapter number six tonight. Let's go to Galatians and chapter number six. We finished our study in Proverbs last week. And so we're in between. I've got something in the works to start week after next, but uh, for tonight and next week, we're kind of in between our, we're not kind of, we are in between our series. So uh, tonight, I've got a passage of scripture that I go to this often. And this is a, so I'm not going to, this is not something brand new. This is a passage that I've gone to quite often. And I just, I love it because it really encapsulates who we're supposed to be as the local church. And so every couple of years, I will come to this lesson. Some of you probably heard it, but some of you have not. So it's Galatians chapter 6, and I quoted this verse on Sunday morning two weeks ago uh, when we were in the early parts of the worship service. Look with me at Galatians 6, and I want you to look at verse number 10. Galatians 6 and verse number 10. So, let's read this out loud together, if you would with me. Galatians 6 and verse number 10. Begin. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good. Let's try that again. Let us what? Let us do good unto all men. Now, let's see this last part together. Ready? Especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Do good, especially to those who are the household of faith. But what I want to do is I want to, I think verse number 10 really summarizes all nine verses that precede it. So when I look at this passage, I come away with this statement. Good deeds in God's house. Good deeds in God's house. And we're going to talk about what that looks like. Let's have a word of prayer. We'll ask God to bless. Hopefully you'll be able to participate a little bit. Help me out as uh, answer and as we have a bit of discussion around this. Let us pray together. Father, we're thankful that we have this time in the middle of our week to set everything aside, to come and just to be fed by your word. Lord, I need this, and we all need this as a church, as your servants, as your saints. Lord, we need this time to, to be strengthened, to be challenged. So we pray that uh, you would be honored by our attention. I pray that you'd help me uh, to present the scriptures clearly. And Lord, I know that uh, many are probably tired from a long day today and have worked hard all day or uh, been busy. But well, I just pray that you'd give us the energy and the focus that we need to really receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, notice that last, I think the first part of the is pretty self-explanatory. As we have there for opportunity, let us do good unto all men. Although, what is it about opportunities? There's something about opportunities. When do opportunities usually present themselves? When you're busy? <laughs> that is, that's actually pretty true right there. But there's, that's, that, that's good. Something else. When do opportunities usually present themselves? Mike, yes, that's exactly what I was thinking. They present themselves 
when you look for them. And we're ama- it's amazing sometimes if, uh, if we'll ask God to not give us the opportunities, but show us the opportunities that we have. So what is, what is unique about this verse? It says, it says to do good. Now, first of all, obviously, as believers, we should be doing good. It's pretty self-explanatory. To who? Everybody. But it's interesting, especially. So pay special attention or special emphasis to what group of people? The household of faith. What is the household of faith? It's the church. It's the church. I think it's both the church local and the church global. It's the body of believers that we have a special obligation one to another to look for opportunities, to take opportunities to do good. Can anybody give me an example of an opportunity to do good to the household of faith? I mean, just real simple stuff that comes to mind. It doesn't have to be anything like ultra profound here, but like real life examples of what it means to do good, especially to the household of faith. So like, so spending, so okay, so spending time with someone, listening to what they have to say, maybe carrying their burden. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Something else. Really quick, Jim. That's, you know, giving somebody a ride. That's, we have all throughout the history of our church, we've just been a church that you got to get, we want people to be here to be in the household of faith. And sometimes you got to give them a ride. And we have both the official, you know, bus and van ministries, but then we've got people that'll pick other people up and bring them in. Yeah, that's a great example. Somebody doing good. Yes, Miss Bailey. Running an errand for somebody. Love it. Yep. Yeah, just going, getting outside your comfort zone and being friendly to somebody. Yeah, that, that, absolutely. What else? Somebody give me, a, give me an example. Yeah, Trina. Yeah, praying for someone's needs. And you know what else? Pray for them and then let them know that you prayed for them, right? I've, I have, um, I am such a better receiver of this than a giver of this. I have a couple of pastor friends that will occasionally text me on a Sunday morning and just say, hey, I'm praying for you this morning. Um, and that is like, man, it's like, all right, it's, it's just awesome. That's an, they have the opportunity, they do good. What's another example of an opportunity? Did, did you have your hand up? Somebody else? Op- as we have, therefore, opportunities. How about anybody? Uh, opportunities. What about opportunities that we miss that we don't always see? Any thoughts on that? Like, yeah. Oh, like as far as witnessing goes. Yeah, sometimes we miss those opportunities. Yeah, anybody else? Something on that, Patrick? Yeah. That's true. And sometimes people that have physical or financial needs, they're not going to always say it, right? Sometimes you find out that somebody has a need. Has anybody ever been the recipient of an unexpected bag of groceries or something like that? Yeah. I mean, I see hands up. And that's, 
Because our opportunities, if we if we look for them, they are there. Somebody else? Anything else? Right. Yeah. That would be, so to see the need and to not respond, the Apostle John is like, how could you say the love of God is there? So I, I think for, obviously that's a major problem. I think for most of us, though, if the need was like flashing neon lights in front of us, we would probably do something. I think it's those subtleties that we miss the opportunity sometimes. What were you going to say? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Right. Right, exactly. Sometimes, and that really would have more to do with people that are outside the household of faith. Like, we should just be kind, regardless of if it pragmatically works. You know, like I reached out to somebody and they didn't come to church or they didn't let me witness to them, but we, we just show that kindness anyway. Yeah. Some, anything else before I move on? Okay. So, those are all really good. Let me show you a few things here that the Apostle Paul gives us that are very specific ways that tie in a lot to what's already been said, but there's some very specific ways that we can be doing good deeds in God's house. Okay, so first of all, I'm going to give you five statements to write down. They all start with, uh, the first four start with B, the last one is a don't be. So I got four B's and then a don't be. Everybody ready? To be or not to be? Okay, see if you're waking up from cheesy joke there, all right? Okay. Got a mild chuckle over there. All right, some eye rolls around there too. So we're awake. Good. Okay. Brethren, verse number one. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, what does that mean? Yeah. Somebody's got themselves into trouble, and they've got themselves deep into trouble. They've got they've got the the sin problem in their life. They've been overtaken in a fault. Ye which are spiritual, what's the active word here? What, yeah, I heard it. Somebody's afraid to say it. What is it? Restore. Restore them. How do we do, what do we do? We restore them. So, number one. Number one, be a restorer. Be a restorer. If a man is overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Be a restorer. With the, with the theme of the verse we just read, how would you describe, in, in your own words, how would you describe someone who is, say, you know what, I'm going to go do good, and I'm going to be a restorer. Could you help me out there? Who, how, how, would you, how would you describe that person? 
What's it look like? What's that? Oh, you're getting real practical there, right? Hey, let's go. Let's let's have a talk. Just let's let's go out for coffee. Well, that's interesting because sometimes people that sometimes people that kind of backslide, sometimes people that get overtaken in a fault, as it said, what tends to happen to them? You're all saying it. Yeah, they withdraw. There's shame. There's guilt. Or maybe there's maybe there's rebellion that caught. Either way, though, there's a withdrawing that happens. So a restorer is somebody who is proactive. That's hard, though, isn't it? Like it's hard to like take the person who's who's and say, hey, let's let's talk. Let's go grab a cup of coffee or what? Let's get together and actively work for that restoration. What is the opposite of being a restorer? Or some op what would some opposites be? <laughs> Destroyer, yeah, okay. I heard a couple of different things, and they were all really good. So let's walk through each of them first. First of all, Brianna, what did you say? A judge? Judge? Judgmental. Exactly. This passage goes completely against being a judgmental attitude because it says you should be meek considering who? Yourself. Before you judge, don't be so high and mighty. Paul would say in 1 Corinthians, I think, he that is... He that, uh, yeah, if you think a man thinks he can stand, be careful lest you fall, right? So judgmentalism is the opposite of restoration. But then there's another opposite, which, Patrick, I think you said. Enabler. Boy, those two things need to be, that, that's like speaking the truth in love. So what would the, we, I think we've got a pretty good profile of a, of a judgmental person. What would the profile of the enabler be? And then we'll go to Mike, but first, Patrick. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. And and restoration sometimes needs to be corrective. Like, what? No, well, what you're doing is wrong. This is sinful. It's destroying you. You like destroy. But this is destroying you. But I'm still gonna love you through it. Yeah, that's good. What were you gonna say, Mike? Yeah, that's right. Just that would be part of the enabling, just to kind of allowing that person to then pull you in to their behaviors instead of. Yeah, these are all really good points. Be a restorer, though, he says, in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. One of our main jobs as a local church. In fact, this is why the local church is so important. Local church is the place for us to come and, you know, have a good talk and, you know, sing some nice songs and, and, and all that stuff or have some friends. I mean, the point is that we are accountable for one another. Yeah. Yeah, and we are, there's this mutual accountability that we have for each other to encourage one another to press forward in the faith and then to draw each other back in when we wander. That's why we have the local church. Okay, so number one, be a restorer. Let's look at number two, the second one. It's in verse number two. So verse number two, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. 
bear one another's burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man thinketh himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work. We'll get to that in just a minute. Be a burden bearer. So, what is a burden? What's a burden? What's that? A struggle. What else is a burden? What are the burdens? Bear ye one another's burdens. Somebody give me some burdens. Lack of resources. Absolutely. It's a burden people face. Yep. Stress, stress and anxiety and fear. Those are burdens. What are burdens? Yeah. What else? Yep. Yeah. Physical limitations. These are... These are struggles. These are real struggles that all, the people around us, one another, that we face. What are other burdens that people bear? Re, re, how about relational breakdown? Right? Family struggles. Work, work pressures. Right? Like somebody comes up and it's like, how are you doing? And you're like, doing good. But you're like, no. <laughs> like, it's terrible, actually. Like, my... My boss is a jerk, and my coworkers hate me, and you know what I mean? Like, these are burdens that people bear. It's just real-life stuff, right? What, what else? Burdens that people bear. Yeah, Miss Bailey. Spiritual warfare. Yeah. But we don't see that sometimes. Like, people are being tempted. Like, there are people, like, take, for instance, people that have addictions or uh, things that had a hold of their life, like alcohol, perhaps, and they're trying to get victory over that, and it's just... There's a spiritual temptation pulling on them. Boy, we need to bear those burdens. Yeah. Anybody else? What are the burdens? Okay, these are those are good. Those are you know excellent points. Bear one another's burdens. Now, how do you do it? You live the law of Christ. You live the law of Christ, which is to love the Lord with all your heart, and then to love your neighbor as yourself. That's what he's referring to when he says the law of Christ. So. We do that. But here's something really interesting. There is a, that's the positive side of burden bearing, but there's a negative side that he warns against in bearing burdens. And here it is. Look at this. It almost looks like a contradiction here. First of all, it said in verse number two to bear each other's burdens. But now in verse number four, let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear what? His own burden. Is this like, a, like what in the world are you talking about? First you like bear, bear the burdens, and then everybody needs to bear their own burden. Mike? Well, I think that's true. Yeah, that is true. There is something else here, though. And I, if you look back in verse number 3, if a man think himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceiveth himself. There is a prideful way of going about claiming to bear one another's burdens. And so I put this statement down. Burden bearers are not busybodies. Burden bearers are not busybodies. Some people like to go into other people's lives to be the one to control. They, under the guise of helping them with their burdens, what do they really want to do with people? They want to control them. They want to, they want to run other people's lives for them. They want that power over anybody ever experienced that. Somebody starts out like they're going to help, but then they have their own ulterior motives. So I think that is the other side to this here, 
that we need to be, there needs to be a great humility in how we bear the burdens of each other. Okay? Any other thoughts on that before I move on to number three? Okay, so how are we doing so far? Number one, be a, who remembers, be a restorer. Number two, be a burden bearer. You know I'm going to do this again, too, so we'll try to remember them, all right? Number three is verse number six. It's another thing. For, and I just love this because this passage just encompasses so much of what our life is supposed to be like within the body of Christ. Verse six, let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Before I give you what the B is here, what... um. What is this verse talking about? Well, first of all, you have to identify the two individuals. There's two profiles in the passage. Profile, and you, you look at it, because I'm not going to tell you what it is. You're gonna, you guys are going to tell me what it is. The two profiles in verse number six. The first profile is the, the student, the one who is taught. And then the second profile is the teacher. So what here is the relationship that is being encouraged for, in what direction is this? Is this going, is this admonition going teacher to student or student to teacher? It's going student to teacher. Student to teacher. Now, this is interesting. Think about, I'm going to just do a little cultural thing here. You think about our modern Western concept of the student-teacher relationship. And then you think of the more ancient or Eastern relationship. You don't even have to think in the Bible. You could really think like a Karate Kid to get this one down. Okay. So what is the what is the difference in in like the modern concept of teacher and student compared to a traditional or even biblical or Karate Kid style of student? Yeah, the sensei, right? So yeah, go ahead. Okay, so that, that that that's that's a good observation. That's that's, yeah. I've got. I was thinking in a different direction, but that is a good good observation. What what is it? The relationship. Who is doing all of the giving typically in our modern concept? It's the teacher. There's this huge expectation of what the teach. If you don't know that, who in here has ever been a teacher before? One, two. Okay, all right. You've been a, in in especially now if you're a teacher. The expectations that even the parents have for the teacher. Very one direction, that this, the teacher is supposed to do all the giving, all the giving. Is that the, a traditional approach? No. You think about, you go into the, you go into the, the Far East, and you have the, the, the leaders. What do all, the, what do all the, uh, um, the disciples, how do they do it? They, they're under that. They contribute. They support. Now, Jesus actually explains it both ways. He says, if you're going to be a leader, you have to be the what? The servant of all. You must be willing to give yourself in complete service. But the scripture also reminds us it's not a one-way relationship. So what is, what, is, what is the expectation of the 
of the followers to the teacher in this passage? What's the expectation? What's it say? We've kind of gone all around, and now we're kind of coming back to what is the, what is the point of the verse. Yeah? Yeah? And in what way? What is the responsibility of the learner? Um, communicate all good things. What does that mean? Yeah, Frank. Okay. I think part of the issue we have with this is the older use of the word communicate. Okay? So what we're looking at here, when you see that word communicate, in fact, let me, let me find something. Let me find something here for you. Paul said to the Philippians, I believe it's in chapter 4, that when he was doing his traveling and ministering, no church communicated with him regarding giving and receiving except for the Philippian church. What did Paul mean by communication when he said that? Yeah, it's actually literally giving, providing, or supporting. Okay, so for instance, um, let me... Uh, so it says this, so here's another, when it says communicate all good things, if you look at more modern ways that would be translated, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Don't let that word communicate hold you up. It's not talking about having a conversation. It's talking about literally supporting the work of the teacher. So that is number three, be a supporter. Right. Right. So the idea of communicate here, communicating good things, is literally supporting. I will say I think that the supporting, you can support the teaching two ways. Obviously, what we just talked about, by giving, but also just by learning. Like, it supports a teacher to know that the people are learning and growing in the truths that are being taught. But then he also says, and there's other passages that teach about this. So, number three is be a supporter. Greg. Right. Right. Yeah. If you've ever worked with teenagers, that can be, we did, Deborah and I did the youth group for, I don't know, almost 10 years. And that is, it's difficult because you see family troubles, you see 
Um, then kids make bad decisions, and it can be really, really hard. And sometimes you feel like, oh, did I really accomplish anything? And then it was like a year ago, a, a young woman who was a seventh grader when we started out, she came up and, and said something to us randomly. She said, you know, I never told you this, and talked about how you know, we had impacted her life. And it's like, man, that just is like, that is a form of communicating a good thing. Absolutely. But it's not limited to just that. That's the, the point is this, is that the learner should be, should be also, just like the teacher serves the learners, the learner should serve the, the, the teachers as well. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's awesome. So we support by both learning and by giving through serving. Okay. So here we go. We're closing in now. So number one. Oh, let's see if you're ready. Here we go. Number one was BA. Oh, you just communicated good things to me there. All right. Number two. Number two, be a burden bearer. Number three, be a supporter. And now number four is be a reaper. Be a reaper. Reap in a harvest. Look at what it says in verse seven. Verse number seven. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. You plant seeds, you expect a harvest. Verse 8, for he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. We have the opportunity every single day as, do, as we do good deeds in God's house, we have the opportunity, opportunity every single day to plant seeds. And we're going to reap, right? But we want to reap spiritual harvests we plant seeds for sake of time we could discuss this and but there's all different ways that you you're planting seeds both in your own life in the lives of your children in the lives of who you minister who you serve but i would ask you this who are you where is the ground where is the ground that you are planting seeds if you're just if you're just receiving and you're not you see, when you, when you become a part of God's kingdom, you're receiving the fruit that other people have planted, right? I mean, you're, you're enjoying, just if you walk into this, if you become a member of this church, and you know, at some point, except for, but, but even the founding member, we got one founding member in the room, Jim Thompson, but even he, when he walked in, was receiving the benefits of other people who planted seeds. Right. And so you and I, we enjoy we enjoy the church that we have, the uh, all, all this. And I'm just giving one example. But how are you? How am I sowing seeds back in? Right. Am I reaping another's harvest or is am I also planting a harvest for the future, for future generations? And all that we do, I tell you, it's awesome to see just, for instance, the investment that's being made in the children's ministry, even tonight, even Something some of you some of you planted the seeds when we went and we uh, canvassed the neighborhoods and you planted a spiritual seed and there's a harvest happening tonight and there's and then there's people running the program they're planting a seed 
There's people that brought the food. And that's the, the, all of these things. And then there's people faithfully giving to support it all. This is how we're planting seeds that are going to reap a harvest. And you can take that outside the local church, into your home, family, etc. But we're called to sow and to reap spiritual harvests and to avoid carnal planting. Okay. Now, number one, B.A., Number two, B.A., burden bearer. Number three, B.A., supporter. Number four, B.A., reaper. And now, number five, don't be a quitter. Don't be a quitter. Look at verse number nine. Let's all read. Yeah, don't be a quitter. Yeah, let's read verse number nine together out loud. Begin, ready? And let us not be weary in well-doing. Oh, good deeds. Don't be weary in well-doing. For, together, in due season, we shall reap if we faint not. There's something about doing good deeds. There's something about planting the seeds. It gets hard. Some days are really tiring. Some days are, and I think there is a, there, there, we have a brand of Christianity today where people want to enjoy the fruit, but they don't want to plant the harvest. Because planting a harvest is tiring. It's taxing emotionally, physically, it can be draining. Now, I understand we can be overworked and we also, we can't be Martha. We need to be Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, right? I get all of that. There's a balance here. But at the same time, work for the night is coming. And when the night comes, can't work anymore. Jesus, I'm coming back. Occupy until I come, Jesus said. So to those who don't work, get in the, get in the fight. Get in the battle. Get involved. Get, get a ministry, get a place to serve and serve with passion and get tired for the glory of God. I mean, it's good. Sometimes it's just good. All the people that, that work really hard on Wednesday nights, I'll tell you, they're all going to go home really tired tonight. All those people working downstairs right now, they are wearing themselves out. My dad driving that van and driving that, he drove the bus and the van tonight. And he's not as young as he looks, you know? So... Um, he's going to go home tired tonight. That was pretty good. That was funny. So, um, listen, I came here, I, I, I work all day long. I have three hours. I come and teach the lesson on Wednesday night. I'm going to be tired when I go home. And that, it, it just all, you're, you're going to serve in the work of the Lord. It's going to take some times where you just say, you know what? It's good. To, it's a good kind of tired, though, as long as it was for the glory of God. Now, if it's all about my flesh and what I accomplish and look at me and I do this and, oh, nobody appreciates how much I do or nobody, you know, anybody ever had that kind of attitude before, okay, then you're going to get weary really fast. But if you can keep it in perspective and say, you know what, I'm not going to get weary in well-doing because I know that if I don't faint, if I know that I don't give up, there's going to be a harvest in due season. But it's not, we don't always know when the season is. We don't know when that day is going to come. 
And with your family, it's the same thing. It gets tired. You know, you're gonna, you have teenagers, you're going to fight battles. You're gonna ha- you're, anyway, we could take this into a whole bunch of different directions. You get the point. That is, don't be weary in well-doing. In due season, we shall reap if we faint not. Work hard and claim that promise that says there will be a reward. There is a reward. Peter asked that. He said, Jesus, well, what's going to be done for us? We left everything to follow you. And interestingly enough, Jesus didn't smack him down for asking that question. Like, doesn't that sound like, Peter, how dare you ask that? Right? Like, you know, aren't you supposed to be selfless? Uh, and Jesus, no, he looks at him and he says, he said, Peter, there's nobody who's forsaken family and land and that. They're going to receive tenfold. It might have been a hundredfold. I can't remember. Some of you might know the parable, or not the parable, the, the statement of Jesus better. But basically, in essence, he says this. They, you, the people who forsake all and follow me, they're going to receive more abundantly, both in this life and in the life to come. That's where the ultimate harvest is going to be reached. So we're coming into, uh, I always think about these kind of passages when we come into missions month. You know, we've got the flags up. We're going to have missionaries here. People that are just faithfully working. I mean, we've got, we've got Bob DeWitt coming. We've got uh, Steve and Pam Thornton. The Thorns have been at it for probably 30 years, right? 30 years. They're going back. They're just, they're here on a break. They're going back to Argentina. And we should be doing that. We should be giving ourselves the same way here while they do it there. You believe that? Yeah. So be a restorer. Be a burden bearer. Be a supporter be a reaper, and don't be a quitter. Don't be a quitter. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Let's pray. Lord, we're grateful that you've given us this time in your word tonight. Please bless the next few minutes as we pray and seek your face. I pray that you'd help it to be just a wonderful time. We thank you that you hear our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at mountgraylockbaptist.com or send us a message on Facebook. You can also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you, and our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.